Amen. Man, that's such a great song and so appropriate for the word that I believe God has for us today. Uh, and if you're ready to receive the word today, let's pray. Let's pray together that we can hear what God has for us. Every person praying, God, thank you for the presence of your spirit all across this auditorium. You are here. We want to ask God now as we open up your scriptures, you'd speak to us. Church, come on, let's pray for each other. Pray for the person. You may know them around you. You might not. Uh, you can pray out loud. Don't weird them out, but, you know, just pray. And come on, let's, let's just pray for one another. We, God wants to speak to all of us. He does not want any person today to leave this place without knowing that you've had a touch from God. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can pray. God, would you speak to me? That's why you're here. That's why you came. Because you want God to speak to you, and I believe he's going to. Would you uh, pray for me as your pastor that I'm going to be uh, faithful to this text today uh, in Jesus' name. And everybody give me a big amen. Amen. All right, hey, turn and greet three people around you. Tell them, hey, welcome to church. Welcome to church. And then you can be seated. Well, I, uh, I know what you guys are thinking. You're like, hey, uh, why is Laura not up there with him? Uh, sorry to disappoint you. Uh, she is not going to be uh, speaking in this service. Uh, yeah, I know it's kind of disappointing, but you're stuck with me, so it's going to be okay. Hey, we are right in the beginning stages of the Lent season. We had an amazing Ash Wednesday service. It was the best core community that I can remember. It was just such a great experience. And if you don't know what Lent is, if you're new to church, Lent is simply the 40 days uh, leading up to Easter. You heard Pastor Daniel mention that a few minutes ago. This has been practiced for thousands of years. It's not something new. Uh, And what we're going to be doing is joining with churches all around the world for this Lent season. And so there's different ways that you can participate and prepare your heart. You can do prayer, fasting, meditation. It's a time of repentance. Every Wednesday night, this Wednesday included, we're going to have the auditorium open. And we're going to have live worship from 7 to 8 o'clock. And you can come and go. Uh, You can come 7.30, 7.45. You can come at 7. You can stay the whole time or stay for a few minutes If you want somebody to pray with you when you come on Wednesday, we'll have some people here that can pray with you. But it's just a time for us to, uh, I would encourage you too, to fast maybe that meal on Wednesday night and come. I just want to implore you to set some time aside to prepare your heart for this Easter season. In fact, we have a reading that we put together for the Lent season. Uh, It's a tradition of the church to read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so if you go to corechurch.com, you'll see a Lent reading. Uh, All of that is available as well. Uh, So, all right, we're going to start a new series today. So if you have a Bible, let's go to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, grab your mobile device, go to corechurch.com, or go to, better yet, go to your app store, and download version. It's a great version of the Bible, version. I read out of the New Living Translation. And uh, today, we're starting this new series called Revived. I-, I believe that this is the year of revival. Those of you that were here on Vision Day, you heard me talk about this idea of, I, I believe on this prayer retreat, God said, this is the year of revival. He's going to revive those things 
that appear to be dead. And turn to somebody and tell them, God's getting ready to revive you. God's getting ready to revive you. So what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks, we're going to be over the next seven weeks as a series for Lent, we're going to be doing a series called Revived based off the year of revival. We're going to be looking at seven different resurrection stories from Scripture. And you may think, oh, I thought Jesus was the only one that was ever raised from the dead. No, there's actually seven different stories of resurrections, and we're going to be looking at each one of those. So I want to encourage you, be here for every week in this series, especially during the Lent season. It's a really good time for us to come together and stay focused on Christ. And so today is a crossover from the last series. We just came through the series called Relationship Wreck, and we're doing a series called Revived. And so bringing the two together today, I want to talk about reviving relationships, reviving relationships. So if you're there, 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're going to start in verse um, 8. This is, we give you a quick background on this guy named Elijah. Elijah was a prophet. And if you don't know what a prophet is, a prophet back in this time period was um, like a preacher. He would come to town. God would give him a word. Usually it wasn't a pleasant word, so they didn't like it when the prophet came. Uh, many times they would kill the prophet because they didn't like what he was saying. Um, and I have the gift of prophecy, so I appreciate you not killing me. That'd be great. It'd be the worst after service if y'all just ganged up on me. But uh, God has a word for us, and he speaks through the prophet, and he speaks through the prophet Elijah. And he was a mighty man of God. And so he's coming to town, but this time he's coming with some really good news, and it's for a widow. In verse 8, it says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Now, let me tell you what's going on. There's a famine and a drought that's been going on for a long time, and there's very little to eat, and there's really no water anywhere. So he went to Zarephath, and as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks, and he asked her, Hey, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called her, Hey, hey, bring a bite of bread, too. And her response is probably how we would respond. She said, I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house and I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I are going to die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So when you um, own a home, if you're a homeowner, you know this. When you own a home, there is always something that's broken and needs to be fixed, right? Right? I mean, no sooner do you fix something than something else breaks. Amen? Yeah, if you don't have, okay, we must not have very many homeowners here, or y'all live in a gated community or something. I don't know. Everything breaks in my house. Anybody feel that? Anybody ever had that? Yeah, okay, some of you had that. And so uh, it's frustrating. Like you you go and you fix something, then something else breaks. It's so frustrating that, that you ever done this? You just pretend like it's working okay? It's It's fine. You know, you're like, oh, just jiggle it a little bit. No, jiggle it. We have our kitchen drawers have been broken for a very long time. And it's the worst when company comes over and they discover the broken thing. That's when it's really embarrassing. Like we had some people come over and they opened up one of the kitchen drawers and it just went right to the floor. Utensils went everywhere. 
To which I responded to them, that's not how you open the drawer. You use your thigh. You pull and use your thigh. How do you not know that? We've gotten so used to doing it. You ever get so used to doing it a certain way? You're like, oh, I didn't know that. It was by the way. Have you ever attempted to fix something that was broken? Like you go on YouTube and they tell you, oh, three easy steps. Is it ever easy? It's so complicated. You're like, forget it. I, I remember I went on there thinking I could fix our ceiling fans because our ceiling fans were all wobbling. Anybody got the wobbly ceiling fan? Some of y'all are going to go home. You're going, man, I, I got a list of stuff I got to fix. When I, thanks for pointing all this out. But we, we had the, the wobbly ceiling fan, and I went on the video, and I was like, that's too complicated. So I, uh, I grabbed a paint stick and, and, and jammed it up in there. No more wobble. <laughs> it works great. So you, you pretend, you, you, you attempt to fix it, or you just flat out ignore it and downplay it. Like, ah, it's not that big a deal. Like, and I, I bought Laura a really nice uh, refrigerator, freezer. I don't spend a lot of money on most things, but I, I, I amped up on this one. I was like, I'm going to get her something really nice. And, and the drawer in the freezer jammed up, and we couldn't get it open. And I was like, I'm trying to open this thing. Finally, we just gave up on it and just, just said, ah, you know what? Whatever's in there is going to be frozen until Jesus comes, so I don't know what's in there. Hopefully, it's not that important. But have you ever gotten to the point where you ignored it, ignored it, and then you got frustrated, and then you just attacked it? Like, I went in one day, and I was pulling on it. I was like, I had enough of this thing. And I yanked on that thing, and I shattered the whole front of the drawer. So now it works great. You just load stuff in and out. It's very, very convenient. (laughs) It works great. You know, relationships can be a lot like this. If you've ever experienced a relationship that was broken or in need of repair, this has played out this way so many times, has it not for you? Like you just pretend, you ever done this? You just pretend like everything's okay? Oh no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. And everything in that relationship isn't fine? You ever tried to fix a relationship? Like you came to the Relationship Wreck series, Laura and I were co-teaching, you heard all the tricks and the tips and all the easy fixes and all these things that we said to do and you went home and tried it and it didn't work for you? You're like, forget it. Or, or you do this, you just kind of downplay it. You ever downplay it? You know, you know it's, really, it's probably just me. It's, it's, really, it's, it's really not that big a deal. And so you kind of ignore it. You ever do that? You just ignore the problem. But after a while, it just starts building up in you until you explode, and then you do a lot of damage to that relationship. Well, I believe that God wants us to operate in healthy relationships that are United. That's what he has for us. And so here's what I want to ask you today. I want you to think for just a moment. What relationship in your life needs to be fixed? Think for just a moment about that. Which relationship in your life? And it might be that it might be a relationship that's that's completely dismantled, broken, falling apart. I don't I don't know. Is it is it uh, a relationship between uh, your parents or or with your kids? Is it a sibling thing? Is it a family thing? Is it a coworker? Is it a, is it a close friend? Something happened, and now that relationship is broken and in need of repair. Well, what I want us to do today is is look at this story of a relationship that that was revived by God's power. And let's go back and go to verse twelve, First Kings seventeen 
and, and verse 12. And again, this is Elijah the prophet, and he comes to town. He's visiting this widow. There's a drought and a famine that's going on. And he says, hey, bring me something to drink. Bring me some food. And, and this was her response. I swear by the Lord your God, I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. And I, I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I will die. This widow is completely overwhelmed. I mean, she is stressed, worried, uh, anxiety is, is hitting her. I mean, she has lost hope. She has given up. And one thing that she has done, if you notice in the story, is she has written the end of the story before it was written. Look back at what she says. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. So my son and I will die. She's writing the end of the story before it's been written. Isn't that what we do? So often, isn't that what we do with a relationship is we write the end of the story before it's ever been written? And it's never a fairy tale ending, is it? No, we never play it out that way. Like, let me give an example here. Um, most of you know I've been dealing with uh, kidney stones, and I've been dealing with these kidney stones for probably the past three weeks and I'm, in fact, actually, I have one more week to go. I, I have this stent in there. I got another procedure I got to go through on Friday. I'm supposed to actually, there's supposed to be a chair up here <laughs> that I'm supposed to be sitting in. I'm not supposed to be standing, but I knew if I brought the chair out, because uh, Laura said, you, you have to sit the whole time you teach, but I can't sit the whole time I'm teaching. And I knew if I got up out of the chair, she'd just be looking at me and snarling at me the whole service. You sit down right now, you sit. So I know right now she's just mad at the setup team, like they didn't bring his chair out. What's wrong with them? So rather than be mad at you, than, than her be mad at me. So three, if you don't know, three weeks ago, uh, I had this kidney stone hit me, and it was really bad. Um, it was a 1.2-pound kidney stone, um, size of a bowling ball. It was, okay, it grows every week. <laughs> no, the truth is, though, it was. It was a big kidney stone. It was 1.2 centimeters. Uh, the size of a, of a small uh, or large marble. And it, I, it took four hospital visits and an ambulance ride to get, get the thing fixed. And it was lodged and it was, it was stuck. And so I went to the first time and, and they gave me some painkillers and different things, said I'd pass it, not knowing that it, how big it was. And, and we had to go back two days later and I was back in the hospital and I mean, I was just in excruciating pain. And I'll never forget this. The nurse walks in, very nonchalantly, she walks in and she goes, ha, you're a... Uh, your, kidney your kidneys are shutting down, and uh, we're going to have to take you for emergency surgery and get you in an ambulance and take you across town immediately. I'll see you later. And she turns and walks out, leaving me there. Now, of course, in that moment, I just, you know, of course, amped up all the faith that's in me. Oh, greater is he who is in me than he who is... Yeah, no, no, I did not do that, Okay. I played out the worst case scenario immediately in my mind. I started thinking about my kidney. I don't know how big a kidney is, but I had visions of it shrinking up as I was sitting there to the size of a grape, okay? I mean, I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to end up on dialysis. I'm gonna, they're going to have to take a kidney. If they take a kidney, how long can I live with just one kidney? How long am I going to be alive? I mean, I'm just playing this thing out. I'm just freaking out. Then the EMSA paramedics show up. Oh my goodness, if you maybe saw this on social media, a picture of them. Okay, they're like 14, 15 years old. I think they have their learner's permit. Look at this picture. Okay, look at how old they are. That would send panic through you, would it not? Like, 
I went out to the EMSA vehicle on the back. It said student driver. Okay, that's how, <laughs> that's how young these, they were. So they haul me over to the main hospital. I'm in the emergency room. I'm laying in, in, in there and for a couple hours. The doctor comes in and he says, hey, what are you doing here? I'm like, my kidneys, they're shutting down. He goes, your kidneys aren't shutting down. Why did they tell you your kidneys were shutting down? That's what they said. They said, I was going to have to emergency surgery. It's like, you're not going to have emergency surgery? Yeah, we're going to have to do a procedure, but no, we're going we're to send you home, and then you're going to go, and you're going to have a procedure. And they had read the report wrong. And I had played it out to the worst possible case scenario. I wrote the end of the story. Isn't that exactly what we do in a relationship when, when your relationship, like, like this widow, when your relationship gets damaged and, and, and it gets broken and you're in this drought and, and you're in this famine, it's like you can have just a simple little fight with your wife over something like really, really stupid with your wife or your husband. And you just be like, you know, I think La La Land should have won. No, I think it should have been Moonlight. I think it should have been La La Land. I think it should have been Moonlight. Well, you can just sleep on the couch. You know what I mean? Like, what? And then you're laying on the couch, and you're like, Where, what just happened? And then you're laying there, and you're like, oh, man, we're fighting. And oh, what, what if we were to get separated? And oh, my gosh, I'm only going to see the kids on the weekends, and I'm going to be living in an RV and eating Hot Pockets. Oh, man! You just play it out to the worst possible scenario. That's, that's who we are. That's kind of what we do. And, but let me ask you this. What if, what if you're reading the report wrong? Like, what if, what if that's not the end of the story? I, I'd like for you to write this down. Here's what I want you to write down. Don't write the end of the story. Don't write the end of the story. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, don't write the end of your story. Tell them, tell them, don't write the end of your story. Listen, because here's the thing. Right now, you have that relationship and you, you played it out the worst case scenario. And this is why we, ha we have to encourage each other. We have to help each other. Don't write the end of the story. Now I want you to write this down. Let God write the end of the story. Let God write the end of the story. I'm going to keep saying it until you aim even louder. Let God write the end of the story. Let God write the end of the story. Come on, let God write the end of the story. Amen? Man, that's, 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 we cannot write the end of our story. We need to let God write the end. Because he's so much better at writing than you are. Isn't that true? Come on, turn to somebody and tell them, don't write the end of your story. Don't write the end of your story. Look what Elijah says to her. I love this. Elijah said this, don't be afraid. Can you say that with me? Don't be afraid. One more time. Don't be afraid. Listen, somebody today, I don't know what you're dealing with, but that is for somebody today. That's all you needed to hear today. Because you're just so wrapped up in worry and stress and anxiety about that relationship. And what God wants to say to you today, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. But it's understandable why she's afraid. I mean, there's a drought, there's, there's a famine. All she's got is a little handful of flour, a little cooking oil, and just a, a few sticks. It's so easy to get discouraged when you're in the middle of a relationship famine. Like when it's a drought and a famine and there's no help coming, 
It is so easy to get discouraged. And just like this widow, we do one of two things. We either cook a last meal or we start grabbing and gathering sticks. We're either cooking the last meal, well, it's over, it's over, or, or we're, we're gathering sticks. In other words, we're, we're, we're grasping at, at straws. Did you ever do that? Grasp at straws? Oh, you know what? I'm just going to send them a text. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to text them. I'm going to text them and, and tell them I'm sorry, and, and, and that, that's going to fix it. And, and then they don't text you back? You're like, okay, um, I'm going to call them. I'm going to call them. And then it goes straight to voicemail. Like, it doesn't even ring. Like, you know, like, it, it just hits, and boom, it goes right to voicemail. Oh, they sent it to voicemail. I know that's what they did. And, and, and so you're like, well, I'm going to leave them a voicemail. And, and, and you, you're grasping at straws. I'll just leave them a voicemail. And, or you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to take them to coffee. Uh, you know, I'm going to take them to lunch. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll talk. We'll work this thing out. Or I'll, I'll, I'll send them a gift because we get overwhelmed and, and we get stressed and we get so worried about it and we start grasping at straws. So it's understandable that this widow, she is so overwhelmed. In fact, she's so overwhelmed in, in this story that she doesn't see who's standing right in front of her. It's Elijah. Elijah's the prophet. He's the miracle maker. He, he's, he's the one who's been sent to her by God, but she can't see him. That's exactly what happens to us. Sometimes we can get so overwhelmed, so stressed, so worried about a relationship, we can't see the miracle maker who's standing right in front of us, the one sent by God, and his name is Jesus. And he's standing in front of us, but we're so overwhelmed. I can't see the miracle maker. I can't see the one sent by God. You know, there's another story in the Bible about a last meal. In the New Testament, it's Jesus, and he's gathering with his disciples on the night that he'd be betrayed. In fact, here in just a few weeks, we'll be having our Good Friday service, and we'll be looking at and reflecting on that moment. And it's known as the Last Supper, and he gathers with his disciples. And, and we know the story. And so Jesus gets arrested, and what happens to the disciples in the story? What happens to them? They write the end of the story, don't they? They go ahead and they write the end of the story, and they write it as a nightmare. Well, it's over. It's done. All this without it. And they saw Jesus going away from them. They were going to lose that relationship, and he's going to die, and he's never going to come back. But not Jesus. No, Jesus... Jesus was going to write a different ending to the story. Death was not the end of the story. The story ended with a resurrection. Okay? That's, just, oh, that's, that's amen. you got to amen that right there. Okay? It ended in a resurrection. This is what God wants to do for you. He doesn't want that relationship to end in death. He wants to resurrect some relationships. Come on, turn to somebody right now and tell them he's getting ready to do a resurrection in your life. Come on, tell somebody right now he's getting ready to do a resurrection in your life. Listen, you, you might be on your last meal. This is it. I don't know what else to do. But remember this, God, God can do a lot with a handful of flour, a little oil, and a few sticks. So in this story, Elijah sees that she, she's worried. It's understandable. Man, it's hard to have faith in a famine. It is. It's hard to have faith when you're in a famine. So he sees the anxiety, and he, he gives her this promise. Look at verse 14. This is the promise that Elijah gives to her. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will what? There will what? 
always. Come on, say it like you mean. There will what? Always. There will always be flour and olive oil left in the containers until the time the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family, come on, let's say this part together. They what? Continued to eat for many days. Listen, don't write the end of the story. Let God write the end of the story. You think about this, this widow, and, and it's a famine, and there's, there's a drought. She had to be wondering as she went to that jar each day, is, is this the day that the, the flour runs out? Is this the day that there's not going to be any oil? But she, she doesn't. She, she puts her faith into action. She's afraid, but she overcomes fear by putting her faith into action. If you want to overcome fear, you got to put faith into action. you got to put legs on your faith, okay, if you want to see God do a miracle in your life. So despite the drought, despite the famine, she gets up each day, and, and she, she goes to the jar. Get the picture. She goes to the jar. She opens the jar, and, 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 and there it is the supplies she needs, and so she, she bakes some bread, and then, and then she looks up in the drought, in the famine. There's still the drought, still the famine, but she gets up the next day, and she, she goes to the jar, and she opens the jar, and, and the supply is there, and she bakes bread, and then she looks up, and she's still in a drought, and it's still a famine, and she puts legs to her faith, and she goes back to that jar, and she opens it up, and God supplies what she needs, and she bakes some bread. Listen, when, when you're in a drought or a famine, you got to trust that God is going to supply for you. You got to, listen, you got to get up, and you got to go to the jar. You got to go to Jesus, and he will supply what you need so that you can bake some bread. Okay, here's what I mean by that is you got to get up in faith. You got to go to the jar and open it up because I'm God. I, I, don't, I don't know how I'm going to make it another day. And you look down and God gives you peace. Peace, just enough peace. He's not fixing the relationship. He's not fixed the relationship. You're still in a drought. You're still in a famine, but you go to that jar. You open it up, and there's peace waiting on you, and you're able to bake some bread. In other words, he feeds you, and you're able to make it through the day. This is what we got to do. You got to get up. You got to go to the jar, and you got to bake some bread. You got to get up, go to the jar, and bake some bread. Come on, tell somebody right now, you got to get up, you got to go to the jar, and you got to bake some bread. You got to get up, go to the jar, and bake some bread. So Elijah, I love the picture here, Elijah joins her family. So Elijah's like sitting at the table, and the scripture says this, they, they continued to eat for many days. What a great picture. As, listen, as long as Jesus is at the table with you, there's hope. As long as Jesus is at the table Remember, he can do a lot with a little flour, a little oil, and a few sticks. This, this is our God as long as he's there. What did Jesus say? Jesus said this, I am the bread of life. He said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. again listen, if you're in a famine, 
If you're in a relational famine and you look up and nothing's changing, listen, you got to get up, you got to go to the jar, you got to go to Jesus, you got to trust that he's going to give you the supply to bake the bread because he's the bread of life. He will give you what you need. If you don't have what you need, you got to move to Jesus. You're like, well, Brad, I don't get it. Like, move to what? That's the point. He's the miracle maker. He's the miracle maker. You have no peace, and you need a miracle of peace. You have no way of enduring any longer. You don't know how you're going to endure another day. He's the miracle maker, and he can supply the endurance that you need. You need joy, he can give it to you. Listen, the song says this, his love goes what? On and on and on and on. In other words, every time I come to Jesus, the supply is going to be there to bake the bread for what I need. Now, the truth is, sometimes you trust God, and it doesn't get better, it, it it gets worse. Like we just came through the series called Relationship Wreck, and, and you came through that series. You're like, Brad, I was here every week, and I was praying, and I was trusting God, and you've done the right things. You're like, I've done the right things, and, 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 and man, here I sit. The series is over, and nothing's changed. Man, I was here all four weeks. I did everything you said. I prayed, I, I read the, the God time, and, and I, I did the steps. I did everything, and, and it And it's getting worse, not better. Listen, the same thing happened to this widow. Look look at verse 17. When we read on in this story, it says this in verse 17. Sometime later, the woman's son became sick. He what? He grew worse and worse. And sometimes... Sometimes you do everything right, and sometimes the relationship, it gets worse. And finally, he died. But look what verse 19 says. But Elijah replied, give me your son. Now, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. It is really, really hard for me to let go of a relationship and give it to God and trust him with it. I'm just being honest. Maybe you don't struggle with that, but I do. Like where, where some people are, are um, you know, last meal people, I'm the gathering sticks guy. Like I don't believe in last meals. I always believe there's hope. I always believe, there's a, I always believe something's going to happen, but I'm a gather sticks guy. Like I'm going to fix it, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to make this happen, and I, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, God, I got this. I'm just going to do this, and God says, no, 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 no. And it's the hardest thing for me to do is to stop and give that relationship to God to God. But here's what happens. Sometimes, sometimes God takes you down to nothing, so all you have is him. He will strip you of everything so that you can learn to lean into him and to trust him. So I won't take time to read the rest of the passage, but I want to tell the story of what happened here. And so she says, give me your son. And or Elijah says, give me your son. And so she, just get the picture here. She's got her son in her hand. She's a widow. Now she's going to be alone. So she gives that child to Elijah. And the scripture tells us that Elijah went upstairs to the room that he was staying in. And he took that child and he, he laid that child on, on the bed. 
And, and it says that he laid out this over the child's body. Now, that's kind of weird to us in our culture, but not in their culture. Uh, this was just basically Elijah was laying across the child because he wanted healing to come completely to that child. And Scripture says this, the story says he, he, he cried out to God. So he's in this room upstairs and he's crying, God, like, come on, this is all she's got. Seriously, you sent me to her. Would you, would you heal him? And he looks down and nothing. And the story doesn't say this, but I envision that he went to the door and opened it up and the widow is standing there with great anticipation like, and Elijah just looks down at her and is like, no, I'm sorry, no. But I love Elijah, he doesn't give up. So he goes back in a second time and, and, and he cries out to God again, God, did you not hear me? I mean, seriously, I, she's, she's got nothing. Would you heal him? Would you raise him? Would you do something? And, and then he looks down and nothing. He's just like, man, and he goes back to the door and he knows and she's down there and he opens the door and she's got that look on her face like, yeah, now? And Elijah has to look down at her again and says, no, nothing. But Elijah didn't quit and he, he goes back in a third time and he goes in the third time and he cries out to God again, please, God, give this widow back her son. And then God, the miracle maker, raises this child from the dead, puts breath into his lungs, and he sits up. And Scripture says he takes Elijah by the hand. Can you imagine this moment? Opens the door. The widow is looking at the top of the stairs, and there's her son. And Elijah begins to walk this child down the stairs. Can you imagine that moment that the widow embraces her son? Her son who is gone is now back and they are restored. What an amazing moment. What an incredible moment. In verse 22, it says this, The Lord heard Elijah's prayer and the life of the child returned and he what? Revived. That's what this series is called, Revive. God wants to revive some relationships. And here's what he wants to do. He wants you to take that relationship and hand him to Jesus. Because Jesus is standing there and he's saying, give me that relationship. And if you'll hand it over to him, here's how it works. Here's how it works. If you hand that relationship over to Jesus, he will take that relationship up to the throne room. He'll take it up to the throne of God the Father. Scripture says Jesus intercedes on our behalf. And he'll take that relationship to the Father and he'll say to the Father, would you revive this relationship? This is your child and, and they're broken and you see what's happening. Would you revive the relationship? And then the Father does this. The Father sends the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit goes to that broken relationship to revive that relationship. And then the Holy Spirit returns to the Father and, no, nothing. So God sends that message to Jesus and just envision Jesus comes to the door and opens it up and you're in your prayer room or your prayer closet or wherever it is, you're on your knees and you're looking up to heaven. You're like, yeah. And Jesus looks down at you and he says, I'm sorry. No. 
What I love is if you will be relentless like Elijah, if you will not quit, if you will keep moving, listen to this, you just say, God, please, please, again. And so Jesus is like, yes, because this is who Jesus is. He relentlessly pursues us, okay? He came to the cross for you and me. He relentlessly pursues relationship. He wants reconciliation. He'll do whatever he can to make that happen. So he goes back to the Father, and then he says, hey, please, it's your, it's your child. Would you do something? And God's like, yes, and sends the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit goes and visits that on you your behalf, visits that broken relationship, speaks over that relationship, but nothing changes. And the Spirit goes back, and, and then Jesus comes down and opens the door, and you're standing there, is it now, now? And Jesus looks again upon you and says, man, I wish, I wish, but no. But here's what I believe. I believe that one day you're going to look up to heaven and say, oh, please, and Jesus is going to take that relationship one more time to the throne room and the Father and say, please, please, on behalf of your child, would you do something to reconcile this relationship? And the Father, once again, is going to send the Spirit and send the Spirit to visit this person on your behalf. And in a moment, everything's going to change. In a moment, that person's heart will be broken for God. In a moment, they will be overcome by the Holy Spirit, and they will turn, and they will look, and they will see with eyes that are no longer blind, but they're going to see with eyes of reconciliation. They're going to say, yes, yes, I desire that relationship, and they're going to come running home, and the Spirit's going to go back to the throne room, and God the Father is going to say to the Son, you take them to them, and he's going to open up the door, and you're going to be standing there, and there on the hand of Jesus is going to be that relationship that you desire to be reconciled and he's going to bring that relationship down. Can you imagine that day? Can you imagine the joy of that day? Don't write the end of the story. Man, let God write the end of that story. Get up. Go to the jar. And bake some bread. I'd like to pray over you. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Let's just go to the throne room with that relationship. Let's just practice it right now. I don't, I don't know what the relationship is. You do. You know the one. So in this moment, what I want you to do is I want you just to stretch your hands out as if you're holding that relationship. If you've got a relationship that you desire to be healed Hold your hands out as if you're holding that person. And just envision yourself giving that relationship to God, handing that over to God, allowing him to take that relationship to the throne room of the Father. And now the Holy Spirit is being released on your behalf to speak to that person on your behalf and on behalf of God Almighty. Now I want you just to drop your hands. God, I don't hold this relationship anymore. It is yours. Now I just want you to do this. I want you to get up. I want you to go to the jar. In other words, I want you figuratively, I want you right now to go to Jesus. What do you need? Not, not next week, not tomorrow. What do you need today? Do you need God to just give you some peace about that relationship? Ask him for peace. Do you need joy? Do you need patient endurance? Do you need a love for that person? 
ask him right now. You don't have it, but he's the miracle maker. And right now he wants to give that to you. He wants to impart it just enough for today. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you into a relationship with him. He he is the God of reconciliation. First and foremost, he desires to reconcile you to God. If you're far from God, maybe you've made a commitment to him a long time ago and you just want to come back home to him. This is just make this your prayer. God, I man, I am a sinner and, and I've messed up and but man, God, I want to come home to you. I want to come home to you. See, what you're sensing right now are the prayers of God's people, not just today, but for, for maybe the past few decades, of prayers of a mom or a brother or a sister or a friend or a coworker or a neighbor. What is happening to you right now, if you're not a follower of Jesus or you've been away from him for a long time, is the Holy Spirit is being sent from the throne room of heaven to speak to you in this moment, and he can change you in a second, change you in a heartbeat. If you'll just say, God, strip it away, strip away my hard heart. Make it tender again. God, forgive me. I'm coming home to you. Thank you, God, for reconciliation. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Amen.